Turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 31. If you remember, as Jesus is about to leave the earth through his death first, and then after his resurrection, his ascension up into heaven, he's comforting his disciples and telling them not to be discouraged. And here, he gives them his greatest promise. He's given several promises, uh, several things that they need to know, they need to hear uh, about why they should be happy, why they should be encouraged at this point, not discouraged, not with troubled hearts. But ultimately, his greatest promise is when he says that he will give them, give you, give us, another helper. That he's not going to leave us alone. So please stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 31. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever that is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also." In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
Earlier in the service, we recited one of the creeds, and we said, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Right? So you all believe in the Holy Ghost. If you said that, you better believe in the Holy Ghost, or you better stop saying it. But what does it mean to believe in the Holy Ghost? Well, the the subject of the Trinity, of course, is a a big, big topic, right? And the creed goes through believing in the Father, believing in the Son, and believing in the Holy Ghost, but it really doesn't say much about the Holy Spirit. It just says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, this morning I want to open that up a little bit more and say, okay, what, what does it mean to believe in the Holy Spirit? And the first thing that we see in this passage is that you must have the Holy Spirit or you are without hope. He says in verse 18, Jesus says in discussing the fact that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them. Remember, this is him going away. And what does he say? He says, I will not leave you as orphans. Or in the King James Version, without hope, hopeless. Is it hope? I think that was the word in the King James. Um, I will not leave you as orphans. To be an orphan is to be hopeless, helpless. And Jesus says that he's not going to leave them as orphans. Yesterday morning at breakfast, I had been discussing with my sister and brother-in-law the problem of drugs and drug addiction here in the area. We talked about it for probably half an hour, and then I opened up my computer, and the headline was of a couple in their mid-30s who woke up dead, which is to say didn't wake up. Right? And it's a, it's a tragic story. Because typically when we think of, in, I think in our little subculture, when we think of drugs and drug addiction, we think of people who are different from us, who are uh, poor and ignorant and foolish. But in this particular case... The man was a pilot for Spirit Airlines and left behind at least two, I think three children who woke up alive and found their parents dead. They were left orphans. Jesus will not leave his apostles, his disciples, his children orphans. Hopeless. But if we don't have the Spirit, if you don't have the Spirit, you are an orphan. You are without hope. Jesus' promise is only to those 
who are His disciples. His promise is only to those who do receive the Holy Spirit. And remember, Jesus has been talking about not leaving them without comfort, not, not allowing their hearts to be troubled. But He's also, if you, if you remember our Scripture reading, He talks about the kingdom going forth in power. He talks about the good news going out into all the world, right? And then here in this passage, Judas, not Iscariot, right? Not the Judas who betrays him, but the other Judas, who we then later on begin to call Jude, so that it's not as confusing. Uh, Jude said to him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Because Jesus just got done saying that he's going to send the Spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. If we don't have the Spirit, we are without hope. And yet there's this division between those who have the Spirit and don't have the Spirit, between those who, who can and will receive the Spirit and those who can't and won't receive the Holy Spirit. Now, This gets confusing really quickly because if you start thinking about what it means to receive the Spirit, and if you start thinking about the work that the Holy Spirit does, you think back to the Old Testament, and then you think to right here and now what Jesus is saying, and then you think, of course, the fulfillment of of this promise on the day of Pentecost when the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and that, that's really the, the day when this is fulfilled. And yet, what does that mean? Does that mean that the Spirit wasn't present prior to that? Does that mean that the Spirit wasn't active prior to that? And in that case, how did we get the entire Old Testament? If the Bible is the fruit of the Spirit speaking through man, right? Well, <clears throat> Jesus does make a distinction between what happens currently while he's speaking to them and what happens later on on the day of Pentecost. And he says that right now the apostles have the Spirit because the Spirit abides with them in verse 17. And then he says, and will be in you. So there is a change that takes place once Jesus goes to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit, right? At that point, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us in a way that he had not prior to that. And yet, it isn't that the Holy Spirit wasn't active prior to that or didn't exist somehow prior to that or wasn't doing work or even wasn't 
with his people. He was with his people. And yet on the day of Pentecost, something changes, right? Something changes. And that, that change is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit within us in a new way. The apostles already had the Holy Spirit, but now they will have the Spirit in a new, more personal, more intimate, within them, dwelling in them way. So what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in you? Today, the only way for us to have the Spirit is to have the Spirit dwelling in us. What does the Holy Spirit accomplish in you? Well, one of the first things that we see, again, right there in verse 17, is that He's called the Spirit of what? Truth. The Spirit of truth. And then, skipping down to verse 26... It says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So what does the Spirit do? The Spirit gives us truth. The Spirit guides us into all truth. And that starts with knowing right from wrong. And I, and I mean this in a, in a more advanced sense, in a more, for, you know, moving, moving forward beyond what we all know right and wrong from, from each other, having been born in, in the image of God, right? We all start out and already knowing lots of right and wrong. But the guidance that the Holy Spirit is promised to give by Jesus is a deeper guidance than that. And this is very, very important because there are, as we, again, remember in the, in the Scripture passage that we read in Matthew, there are many false prophets in the world, Right? If there are many false prophets in the world, are those false prophets trying to lead you into doing wrong? Yes. But are they saying that they're trying to lead you into doing wrong? No. They're saying exactly the opposite, right? And so we need the discernment that only comes by having the Holy Spirit within us. It is the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth so that we are not led astray by false shepherds, false prophets, and by the inclinations of the flesh, our heart. Right? And so, if you think about whether or not you have the Holy Spirit, What you have to ask yourself is, 
Have I any understanding of right and wrong? Do I have any discernment? Well, how are you going to judge that? Really, the, the way to judge that is your actions, right? The way to judge it is your actions. The fruit of the Spirit, if you turn to Galatians 5, 22 and 23... We read this famous list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But what comes before that list? What comes before that list is a different list, right? The opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. You've got to go back to verse 19, where it starts in on the list of the deeds of the flesh. And it says that they're evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, all of this stuff, all of this stuff goes together. If he says, you do these things, you, you cannot and will not inherit the kingdom of God. But if you have the Spirit, you will do these things and you will inherit the kingdom of God, right? And so, if you have the Spirit in you, this is what you do. And if you don't have the Spirit in you, this other list is what you do. And we see this in our passage. Jesus equates it with loving him, loving himself. Do you love Jesus? How do you know whether you love Jesus? Well, verse 21, Jesus says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then, if there was any doubt, again, two verses later in verse 23, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And in both cases, he continues on and says, And what? It's not just, if you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments, but then what will happen as well? And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. That's what verse 23 says. Verse 21 continues and says, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. In other words, do you want 
the Holy Spirit, then love Jesus and He will give you His Spirit. How do you know whether you love Jesus? You obey Him. Now this is exactly, this, this is exactly what the, the ordering that we don't want to hear. Right? There's a great quote uh, that I read from uh, an old book, Peace and Holiness, by Horatio Bonar. And my, uh, my, brother, my brother-in-law sent it to me, and it's this great quote where he says, you know, people who say they can't help their unbelief that, that statement is the worst of their sin, saying they can't help it. And we should never accept that kind of response to saying, you must believe. Well, I can't help my unbelief. He, he says, you must believe, right? But then he goes on this very interesting explanation. He says, you wouldn't accept that kind of excuse from the drunkard, would you? And I'm going, uh, I'm pretty sure we would today, right? <laughs> and he goes and he, he lays it out. He says, would you, would, you know, if the drunkard says to you, or the, or the man who curses, you know, well, I can't help it. Then you don't say to him, well, pray that God will help you to stop. I'm going, well, uh, yeah, we do. That's exactly what we say, right? He goes, to say, to, to, to say, pray that God will help you to stop is to tell him, go on drinking and praying alternately. <laughs> and maybe in your drunken prayer, the Holy Spirit will happen to act. Yikes. What he says is, don't say you can't help it. Stop it. Okay, well, Horatio, or yeah, is that his name? Horatius? He's not, he's not God, right? So we've got to evaluate what he says now. Right? We've got to evaluate what he says. Let's look at the passage. Here we have the passage. Jesus is saying to his disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to them to be in them. He contrasts that with the world who cannot and will not receive the Holy Spirit, right? Jude gets confused and says, wait a minute, I thought the kingdom was going to go forth in power. What happened that you're going to send the Spirit to us, but not to the world? And what does Jesus say? He had just gotten done saying it when Jude says this, and he repeats himself. So verse 21 and verse 23 are on, are on the, you know, those are the sandwich bread, and in the middle you've got Jude's question. And in both pieces of bread, what Jesus says, both before Jude asks the question and after Jude asks the question, is what? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 
and then what? The Father will love him and the Holy Spirit will be with him. In other words, the Spirit is given to those who love and keep Christ's words. And yet, what we want to say is, well, the Holy Spirit empowers us to obey His words. We have to have the Holy Spirit first, right? And that's true. (laughs) It is true, right? We can't change our hearts. Our hearts are dead within us. The Holy Spirit has to change our hearts. And yet, look at that. Look at that ordering that Jesus uses there. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him, which is the sending of the Spirit. This is a difficult thing. And we're, we're tempted to try to write it off, but he, he actually takes it and makes the opposite point as well. In verse 24, he continues, and what does he say? He who does not love me does not keep my words. So how do you know whether you love Jesus? Whether you keep his words. Now, if I step forward and I say, okay, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about having the Holy Spirit within us, and what does the Holy Spirit accomplish? And I say, well, the Holy Spirit gives you, leads you into all truth, right? The Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. You can't produce the fruit of the Spirit without having the Spirit. So obedience comes out of having the Spirit as well, right? And then I say, peace comes from having the Spirit within you. Verse 27, when Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That peace is ultimately the fruit of having the Spirit. He's leaving them the Spirit, and he's saying, Be at peace. You will have peace because you will have the Spirit within you. And then I say, the Holy Spirit empowers His people to establish God's kingdom on earth. He not only, the Spirit not only gives us God's Word by breathing it out into the Bible, right? Men who were guided by the Holy Spirit, God's Word was breathed out by the Spirit, the breath of God into the words that we have before us. But He not only has given us 
his word, but he's also given us the words to speak to others, to call them to faith. Remember when Jesus says to his apostles, don't worry about what you're going to say on that day when you're standing before kings, for the Holy Spirit will give you utterance in that day. Right? He's going to guide us. He's going to tell us what we need to know, what we need to say to others. And as we know from earlier in John, when, when Jesus is talking to uh, Nicodemus, who comes to him at night, we know that it is the power of the Holy Spirit which changes hearts throughout the world and who sent that Spirit out into all the world, Jesus. And how did he send that Spirit out into all the world? Through his apostles. To every tongue, tribe, and nation. Now, how does all of that help answer that question, that difficulty, that that? Which is it? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, obedience or faith? Which came first, the Holy Spirit or loving God? Which came first? Well, God loved us first, didn't he? And so, no, we cannot love God the Father unless He first loves us. And yet, these things are tied so closely together that Jesus doesn't have any problem talking about the order being reversed. And this is ultimately why in peace and holiness we read him saying, no, you don't say to the drunk, I know you can't help it, pray that God will help you to help it. You say to the drunk, stop. And and I say, to you who do not believe and claim that you cannot help it, stop disbelieving. To continue disbelieving is the very center of your guilt. Right? To continue disbelieving is itself the very thing. And now what are you going to do? You're going to, if, if you have... If you've been paying attention, what you're going to do is you're going to try to turn around God's words and you're going to blame God. And that is what those who are unbelieving do. They say that it's God's fault that they do not believe. But it's not God's fault that you don't believe.
If you desire the Holy Spirit, you may have the Holy Spirit. If you desire the Holy Spirit, keep His commandments. Now, if I walk forward into the Christian life, okay, this stuff is going to be, it's going to make all the sense in the world to you. Is it possible for you to grieve the Holy Spirit as a Christian? Absolutely it's possible for you to grieve the Holy Spirit, right? And how exactly do we grieve the Holy Spirit? How do we push the Holy Spirit out of our lives when we, when, when we know what we're supposed to do and then we do exactly the opposite? Right? Our disobedience grieves the Holy Spirit. And it breaks our relationship with God. And we feel His absence, don't we? What happens to us if we do not have the Spirit? We remain in our sin. If we don't have the Spirit, we die. Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And so, this is how we make sense of Jesus' words. And it's how we make sense of the words of, from, from peace and holiness. <clears throat> If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. There are two ways to seek to put to death the deeds of the flesh. By the Spirit and by the flesh. Right? Can you put to death the deeds of the flesh by the power of the flesh? No. You cannot, you will not. And so this tension, we've got to, we've got to have understanding of what it means to be putting to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. What are you looking for? Why are you trying to quit sinning in whatever way it is? Is it good to stop taking drugs? Yes, it's, it's good. Is it necessary? Yes, it's necessary. 
why do you want to do it? If you want to do it because you love Jesus and you want to obey, begin obeying him now, then you are working by the Spirit. And what I say to you is, then stop. Right? It's just that simple. Then stop. But if the reason you desire to stop some particular sin in your life is simply so that you don't have to suffer whatever consequences, so that you can give yourself more fully to other sins, to other idolatries, then it is impossible for you to receive the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive the Spirit, we read in verse 17. And yet James 1.5 gives us this promise, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What does that have to do with this? Well, this is the Spirit of truth, right? The Spirit of wisdom. How do we receive wisdom but by the Spirit? And so really in James, that promise is a promise that if you desire the Spirit and if you go to God seeking His Spirit, you will receive, and generously, generously. Could there be any greater gift? No, this really is the greatest gift. Because this is the gift not just of a changed heart, but also of the power to obey the commands of Christ. Both. Together. Come by the Holy Spirit into our lives. So if you desire the Spirit, you may have the Spirit. Simply by asking. And you say, yeah, but I've sinned in this way and that way and I've grieved the Spirit in the other way and, and, and so forth. And I say, well then, Stop it. Stop it. And pray to God for his spirit. And don't tell me you can't stop it. Because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And that is the power you need to stop. And you are to stop. You can. If you are a Christian, to say you can't is to declare that God is powerless to change your life. And if you're not a Christian and you say, 
I can't. I say, that's true. You, you cannot please God without His Spirit. But, He is generous. And if you desire His Spirit, if you love Him, you will seek and you will find. And you will receive this gift of the Spirit. Let's pray.